0: Okay, let's turn to Mark chapter 9. What's the title? We're carrying on from last time. Okay. Um, we'll t- today we're talking about why didn't it work? All things are possible to him that believes. Why didn't it work? So we're we're going to carry on a bit further uh, with what we were studying last week, Mark chapter 9, and it begins here, this chapter begins with Jesus taking Peter, James, and John up on the mountain where he was transfigured, uh, transformed, and the glory of God manifested. Elijah and Moses appeared to Jesus and talked to him about his ministry and his mission. A cloud uh, appeared, they heard the audible voice of God, this is my beloved son, hear him. And after this experience, they came down from the mountain and uh, they found a great multitude present along with the scribes and the scribes. Uh, Jesus asked the scribes, what are you arguing about? And the father of this boy piped up and said, my son has a dumb spirit. Verse 17, he has a dumb spirit. He's unable to talk. He foams at the mouth. His spirit throws him in the water, in the fire. Uh, We can't leave him by himself. We have to watch him all the time. Uh, This has been disrupting our family for years. And he says, I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cast it out. So Jesus comes on the scene, and, and the Father's telling him about how they brought the, he brought his son to the disciples, and they got nowhere. And the scribes, of course, see the opportunity here to seize the moment and try to capitalize on the disciples' failure to get results. And as we mentioned last time, just because uh, someone gets prayed for and they're not healed instantly, that is not a sign that it's not God's will to heal them. If it were not the will of God for this boy to be healed, or if there was any reason why this was a more difficult case than another one, this would have been the perfect opportunity for Jesus to preach a sermon on that and explain it. But he did not mention the will of God. He did not mention that this type of illness was an exception. We talked about how in uh, Matthew 10, verse 1, Jesus had already given the disciples power uh, over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So Jesus didn't make any exceptions that some diseases were more difficult than others. He said all. So um, this man obviously had some faith or he would not have even brought his son to the disciples to begin with. He must have heard that the sick were getting healed and that evil spirits were being cast out in their ministry. Uh, So that's why he brought the boy to them and let them minister to him. Notice Jesus did not say to the man, well, you should have brought him to me in the first place. I'm the son of God. I can do this. No. Uh, If Jesus healed people and performed miracles because he was the son of God, then we would have examples of that happening when he was five years old, when he was 15 years old. 25 years old, because he was just as much the Son of God then as he was when he was 30 years old. Um, if Jesus ministered on earth using his divine abilities as the Son of God, then why weren't all the people in his hometown healed? They, they weren't. It says there he could do no mighty works. It didn't say he would not. It said he could not. And he marveled because of their unbelief. So that's evidence. He did not minister on the earth as a son of God or everybody in his hometown would have been healed whether they believed or not. He would have just done it. Um, You know, you think about the um, man at the pool of Bethesda. I think that's where the porch had all those people. Um, Why didn't Jesus just go clean out the whole porch? no he went to one man he ministered to him and he left and left all the other sick laying there so he saw that man's faith the spirit led him to him uh jesus was prompted by the father to go to that man uh and he's that's the reason why he was healed and nobody else was Philippians 2 tells us that he emptied himself of his divine privileges and abilities, and he came to earth as a man filled with the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that's in you and me. Jesus did not heal anybody or perform any miracles to prove he was the Son of God. He never took credit for healing anybody. In John 5, 19, he said the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, <coughs> these also doeth the Son likewise. And in verse 30, he said, I can of mine own self do nothing. I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which sent me. And in John fourteen ten he said, The Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. So Jesus never took credit. John 1410, and John 5, 19, and 30. (coughs) So Jesus never took credit for healing anybody, and we should follow his example. (coughs) He came to earth on a short mission to go to the cross in our place, but that was not his only assignment. Before he went to the cross, Jesus came to show us the will of God. Everything he did was to show us the will of God. If it was not the will of God for this boy to be healed, then Jesus violated the will of God when he cast the spirit out. (coughs) If it was not uh, the will of God, Jesus should have explained it to the Father. <laughs> he should have said, the reason my disciples weren't able to cast his spirit out is because it's not God's will. I'm not, I'm yeah. not, seen that before. So, did Jesus ever make a statement like this in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? No, but it's widely held by millions of Christians. Traditional explanations why we don't see healing and miracles today on the level they occurred in the Bible? <coughs> Here are a few reasons. We just don't understand. It's part of the mysterious <coughs> <coughs> will of God. Excuse me, going a tickle. <coughs> People will say, "Well, only Jesus." <coughs> And the 12 apostles had this power. It all passed away. The last apostle died. But this power was not limited to the 12 apostles. Um, Jesus sent out 70 more. (coughs) (coughs) And they came back saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us in your name. (coughs) Excuse me, 3,000 more were filled with this power in in the book of Acts. So, people will say, well, once the church was established, um, these healings and miracles ceased. Attempting to cover up (coughs) is an attempt to cover up unbelief, really. Now, verse... 19, <coughs> Jesus said, he didn't give any theological explanations for the disciples' failure to get results. He said, "O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long ago, (coughs) how long is it since this came to him? And he said, of a child. I kind of always wondered why Jesus asked this question. (coughs) What difference would it make how long he's had this? But sometimes people who have had a debilitating illness or chronic pain or something they've had to deal with, uh, a physical aspect for many years, it also has a mental aspect. The sickness is not just in their body, it's gotten into their mind as well. And they can't see themselves any other way, they can't see themselves having a normal life, and this is a part uh, that becomes a hindrance. (laughs) they're receiving. Perhaps this was the case with the father. Uh, Verse 22 kind of indicates this. He says since since he was a child, the spirit's thrown him in the fire and the water. We have to watch him all the time. If you can do anything, help us. In other words, this has been going on a long time. It's affecting our whole family. You can hear the desperation in his voice. Verse 23, uh, you know, the man said, if you can do anything, help us. Jesus did not take responsibility to get this boy healed. He said, it's not about what I can do. He immediately turned around and said, if you can believe, if you can believe all things are possible, to him that believes let's say this together all things are possible possible. to him that believes believes. I'm a believer believer. verse 24 and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears Lord I believe believe. help thou mine unbelief (laughs) so you can see he's battling sense knowledge, trying to tell him that this is not going to happen. Verse 25, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying to him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter him no more. And in verse 26 and 27, the spirit came out and Jesus lifted the boy to his feet. Verse 28, and when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? And verse 29, and he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. Did Jesus say, because it is not the will of God? No. He did not talk about the will of God. We are believers, and we have the ability to believe what we cannot see. (coughs) Now, we saw in Matthew 10, 1, where the disciples already had authority over demon spirits. And they had already experienced success on many occasions, seeing devils leave and the sick healed. But Jesus said on this occasion today, the reason they were not successful was because of their unbelief. Now, verse 29, howbeit this kind goes not out but by prayer and fasting. Now, in the NIV Bible, this verse is completely left out. And if you look at there are a number probably at least 8 or 10 other translations of the Bible that say this kind of spirit comes out only by prayer or fasting. Now that is not true. That is not accurate. That is not what Je- we know it's not accurate. That is not what Jesus did to get this boy free he did not pray the demon out he didn't fast it out he cast it out jesus if that if he was talking about this kind of spirit only coming out by prayer and fasting then why didn't jesus do that to get the boy delivered that is not the context if jesus was referring to the evil spirit when he said this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting He would have said, okay, folks, gather around. We are going to pray till this demon leaves. He did not do that. He would have said to the father, okay, I'll tell you what. Me and the disciples are going to go away and we're going to fast for three days. And in three days, you bring him back and we're going to take care of this. No, he did not. (coughs) He didn't pray it out. He didn't fast it out. He cast it out. You don't do battle with demons with prayer and fasting. They leave in the name of Jesus because they are subject to that name. And if you ever run across a demon that is not subject to the name of Jesus and won't leave in the name of Jesus, you might as well just hang it up and forget it. But that's not going to happen because there are no demons, no level of demon, that is not subject to the name of Jesus. It's not out there. When Jesus said, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting, the context is not the evil spirit, the context is unbelief. The disciples asked Jesus, Why didn't, why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. So unbelief is the content. That's the context he made that statement in. This kind of unbelief goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. He's talking about unbelief. He's not talking about kinds of demons leaving. This kind of unbelief goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Now, unbelief is produced when your five physical senses dominate your believing. (coughs) Unbelief is produced when your five physical senses dominate your believing. Sense knowledge. What we call natural information that's fed to you from external circumstances through your five physical senses, what you can see, what you can hear, what you can feel, what you can taste and touch, all this natural information and previous experiences. Contrary to the word of God, produce unbelief. Now, verse 24, the father said, I believe, Jesus said all things are possible to him that believed. The man said, I believe, help my unbelief. So you can see and hear, he's battling with sense knowledge. He's been he's seen this boy like this a long time and they've been dealing with this a long time and his sense knowledge uh, and all his past information and experience with this boy is battling against his mind trying to tell him this isn't going to happen. Now this could be related back to verse 21 when Jesus asked him how long has he been like this and I mentioned you know, the fact that this had been going on for years um, was, was, had, had gotten into this man's mind as well. The Seeing this boy like this for so long, <coughs> uh, it had now kind of gotten into the father's mind about can he ever be any better. So unbelief comes from having more confidence in the sense realm, and what the sense realm is telling you than the word of God. Unbelief comes from having more confidence in the sense realm and what the sense realm is telling you than the word of God. So you can see this battle. Two indicators of unbelief, fear and worry. Now, when we talk about these things, I don't want, you know, as we go along, past, present, future, don't just think anybody's implying that you don't have enough faith or something or that you're in unbelief. We're talking about these things just so we can recognize you know, we can recognize and we see these things pop up, we thought, uh-oh, yes. you know, I need, to, I need to watch this and push this aside. <coughs> Fear and worry. There was a time, we can all remember, well, some people can remember, when it took weeks for news to go around the world. By the time you heard something negative, it was already in the past, it was gone, you dismissed it and you didn't even give it any thought really. Today, negative information is instant. It goes around the world instantly and you can worry in real time. You can worry as it happens. (coughs) Today, the internet gives you instant access to all negative information anywhere in the world. Politics, weather, crime, wars. This is why we are exposed to unbelief on an astronomical level more than any other generation since the Garden of Eden. In Mark 4, Jesus referred to this when he said, These are they which are sown among thorns. Such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. That's exactly what Jesus was talking about. Unbelief is when you allow sense knowledge to dictate what you believe. Unbelief is when you allow sense knowledge to dictate what you believe. Now, since what we call sense knowledge or natural knowledge is referred to in the King James Bible as the word carnal, of the flesh. Now, unbelievers, people who are not born again, are dominated by sense knowledge. What knowledge did you say? Sense sense knowledge. Your your S-E-N-S-E. Thank you. Sense. S-E-N-S-E. Your senses. Being controlled by your senses. You only believe what you feel. You only believe what you hear. So forth. That's what we call sense knowledge. Of the senses. Of the five physical senses. So unbelievers are dominated by sense knowledge. Most Christians are dominated by sense knowledge. Now, they're born again. They don't use profanity. They don't live immorally. But as far as the way they think and talk, their lives are not much different from an unbeliever. In Romans 8, Paul talks about being carnally minded and being spiritually minded. He said to be carnally minded is death. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the word of God, neither indeed can be. It's an enemy of of the word of God, the carnal, sensual mind. This is why when we're born again, we have to renew our mind with the word of God, Or we just keep thinking, talking, and reasoning like an unbeliever. Because when we got saved, it was our spirit that got changed. The mind was the same. The thought patterns were the same. The reasoning was the same. The talking was the same. (coughs) Our physical body was the same. It's our spirit that got changed. And that's why we have to take the word of God and do something with our mind and bring it in agreement with God, so that we're not dominated by our sense knowledge, but we're dominated by the, what the Word of God says. So this is what Paul was talking about in Romans 12:2 when he said, "Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind.": So I missed the reference Romans 12:2. Be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is what he was talking about. When your mind is renewed, you are not dominated by your senses anymore. When your mind is renewed, you are not dominated by your senses anymore. (coughs) You don't consider information from the natural circumstances. You only consider what the Word says. And this is why we talk a lot about making the Word final authority. We must make the Word final authority in every situation. So that we start thinking and talking spiritually and not carnally. Believe in what God says. Mm. Amen. So, in other words, he's talking about here between Romans 8 and Romans 12, he's saying, don't allow sense knowledge to dominate you any longer. That's really what he's saying in plain English. Don't allow sense knowledge to dominate you any longer. Don't allow sense knowledge to dictate what you believe. Don't allow sense knowledge to dictate what you believe. (coughs) You remember in Romans 4, talking about Abraham. It says, not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promises of God, through what? Unbelief. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. So Abraham did not, he stopped looking at the natural circumstances. He stopped considering his body. He stopped considering Sarah's body. He stopped considering... Has any woman ever, have they ever been able to reverse menopause in somebody? He, he stopped considering. I wonder how many hundred-year-old women have ever had a baby. You know, he, didn't, he couldn't go on the Internet and look it up, you know. But um, he started looking at what God said, and it wasn't easy. He struggled with it for a long time. Because every time he looked in the mirror, he saw his body. Every time he looked at her, he saw her body. They couldn't get away from that. But he got to the place... Mary in the New Testament. Mary didn't see. She believed the final authority. Mm Mm-mm. Abraham got to the place where he didn't consider the natural anymore. He believed what he could not see. And it took a long time because he did not have a Bible like you and me. He did not have CDs and faith books and DVDs. So it took him a long time. Write this down. When your mind is renewed, when your mind is renewed, The word of God determines what you believe. When your mind is renewed, the word of God determines what you believe. And this is what Paul meant in Romans 8 when he said to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And this is why other Christians think we are extreme. If they can't see it, if they can't feel it, they don't have it. And when we are no longer dominated by the flesh and natural circumstances, we can get to the place where we can believe what we cannot see. And really that's what a believer is, is somebody who can believe what they cannot see. When we say to someone, well, the Word says you're healed, and they say, oh, no, I'm not. I'm sick. Can't you see I'm sick? They're being dominated by sense knowledge. <coughs> this describes Thomas. You remember him? He said, I don't care how many of you guys have seen Jesus alive until I see those holes in his hand, see... And I feel that wound in his side. I'm not going to believe any of you. I'm not going to believe till I can see it and feel it. And what did Jesus say about him? Faithless. Faithless. Dominated by his uh, five physical senses, dominated by the sense realm. Isn't this what Jesus said here in in Mark 9, uh, 9, 19? It's exactly the same word he used here. He said, oh, faithless generation. In other words, stop being moved by what you see. Plain English. Stop being moved by what you see. We see this in the story of Jairus. You remember when the messenger came and said, don't trouble the master anymore, your daughter is dead. Bing, bing, sense knowledge coming in. Sense knowledge coming in. Natural information coming through your physical senses, a bad report, trying to pull him out of faith and into unbelief. And that's why Jesus, the moment Jesus heard that negative information, he immediately wheeled around and he said, stop the unbelief and stay in faith. Because he knew the, if the moment that man started processing that bad report, he was gonna be overtaken by sense knowledge and the unbelief was gonna choke his faith out. And Jesus immediately said, stop the fear, stop the unbelief, only believe. That's exactly what he was doing, was to keep that man from being pulled over into sense knowledge. Now, back to Mark 9. The disciples had some faith, but we know they had some previous success, casting out demons and seeing the sick healed. And in light of what we've talked about, Concerning the connection between sense knowledge and unbelief. It could be, it's possible, that when the spirit threw this boy down on the ground and he started wallowing around and foaming at the mouth. It could be the disciples saw something With their eyes, they saw this spirit manifest something that produced fear and unbelief in them. Perhaps uh, they had never seen a case quite like this before, even though they had seen many evil spirits. Perhaps um, they saw something they hadn't seen before on another occasion. Um, Perhaps they started thinking, whoa, this is a tough one. I don't know if this one's gonna come out or not. And guess what? It didn't. It didn't come out. (laughs) It's kinda like when Peter was walking on the water and he started looking at the wind and the waves, sense knowledge, sense knowledge start coming in, you can't do this, people can't walk on the water. He got into sense knowledge, he got out of faith and he began to sink. Very same process. So the disciples may have also been thinking, what are people going to think about us if this doesn't work? Which they shouldn't have been thinking, because they weren't the healer. I'm not the healer. You're not the healer. But if they began to think that way, now they were thinking about, what about me, instead of thinking about getting this boy set free? So when when they asked Jesus, why couldn't they cast it out? Jesus said, because of your unbelief. In other words, you've seen evil spirits come out before. You've had success in other places with evil spirits. But today, you just allowed sense knowledge to overtake you and pull you over into unbelief. Now let's finish by talking a few minutes here about the cure for unbelief. Jesus gives us the cure for unbelief in verse 29, where he said, "This kind, this kind of unbelief can come forth by nothing but prayer." And fasting. Now you don't pray and fast to get power. I know some people do. You don't pray and fast to get faith. I know some people try to do that. You get power when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, not by fasting. You get faith by hearing the Word of God and believing it not by fasting. Now, in the past, when you talked about fasting, it was really always in relation to food, and it can certainly still be food. (coughs) But in today's society, people spend a lot more time doing other things than eating. Today, people probably need to fast the internet, the television, the mobile phone, the newspaper, entertainment, and hobbies. I would say these are much more time-consuming and distractions in life than eating. But the drive to eat is one of the strongest forces known to man. There are people who have killed other people and eaten them. They have eaten stuff you would not even hold in your hand. So so that's how powerful hunger can be. So when you make the decision, you're going to give up everything you enjoy, including food, for a few hours or a few days. It's not going to be long till your flesh starts kicking off. When are we going to eat? When are we going to the park? When are we going shopping? When are we going to have some fun? It doesn't take long. You start getting irritable and you start getting fidgety and nervous. That's your flesh being flushed out on the surface. Your flesh doesn't care about God in spiritual things it only wants to have fun it only wants to feel good and it does not want to be inconvenienced that's all your flesh is interested in so when you fast and pray you're drawing near to God and and you're putting spiritual things first and you're putting your flesh down and it begins to kick off But when you do that, you, you 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 get you can get beyond that point. But you're not giving the devil anything to work with. We're we're not going to turn there. But that's really what you know. When I think Luke four and Matthew four, Jesus was led out into the wilderness, yeah. fasting and praying, and was tempted by the devil. Uh, he he put his flesh down to the point. Uh, the devil just had nothing to work with, you know, because the devil will use your flesh. But you can subdue it to to where the devil doesn't have anything to work with. Did you say Matthew 4 and... I think it's Matthew 4 and Luke 4, both are both accounts of of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. So, um, So when you fast and pray, you take authority over your body and you begin to dominate it instead of it dominating you. And you tell your body, sit down and shut up. And we'll eat when I'm ready to eat. When I tell you to eat, we'll eat. We'll go shopping when I'm ready to go shopping. And you you take authority over it. The quicker you shut up, the quicker we'll eat. (laughs) We won't turn there, but write down Hebrews 5.14. It says you can train your senses. I'll read the whole verse. The, Hebrews 5.14 But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. Oh, or you could say have their senses trained through practice to discern both good and evil. So, the subject we're talking about today, this is strong meat, isn't it? Yes. This is, this is not nursery school Christianity. We want to be full-grown spiritual adults, mature believers, full age. We don't really serve much milk and candy in these meetings. We want to become full-age, grown-up spiritual adults. This verse is telling us you can train and develop your body and mind to shut up and believe what the Word says. And fasting is prayer is a powerful way to do that. And Jesus said it's the only way this uh, unbelief can be cured. You can put it down and you can tell it to shut up and stop dictating what you believe. The Word of God's going to dictate what we believe. Amen? So let's say this out loud together.